Steve Nagel minds your business exclusively on rock102.com. Welcome back to another episode of Nagel Mind Your Business, an exclusive podcast here at rock102.com, where we dive into the careers and the business owners throughout Western Massachusetts, and we find out what made them who they are today. What's what's their deal? What's what's your business? I, I'm like Mrs. Kravitz of Western Massachusetts. I want to know what's going on in your life. And uh, this week, uh, they say comedy isn't pretty. Well, neither is the lifestyle of being a comedian. We sit down with one of my good friends, and local comedian who has uh, had quite the success over the last 10 or 15 years. And we sit down and we find out what's going on with the life of comedy. What's it like to be on the road as a stand-up comedian? You never see the blood, sweat, and tears when you're watching your favorite comedy special of how your favorite comedian got to be who they are today. And we'll do that now with Marty Caproni on Nagel Mind Your Business, an exclusive podcast here at rock102.com, episode three. And the man... The myth, the legend, is here in the studio with us, Marty Caproni. What's what? up, man? Not much, Steve. How you doing? I'm all right. Uh, I appreciate you being part of this little podcast. I'm today. honored that you'd ask me when this is, what, your third episode ever? Yeah, third episode. Let me just turn the mics down a little bit because I think I got you too hot. All right. You know Coming in hot. It's coming in a little too hot there. Um, Maybe we can, yeah. There we go. Hopefully that's better. Not shooting you off the meters? No. No pressure is, on this one. It's not like broadcast, right? No, this is uh, no, not professional by any means. Perfect. This is just uh, me, the douche, uh, with a pot. <laughs> hey, I got a pot. I'm, yeah, I, I'm like one of those people that joins technology way too late. Like, I got a, I got an easy pass transponder in 2016. Oh, my God. Well, I still don't have one. So this goes. You don't back. even have one. No, this goes back to the conversation we had earlier with the Alexa yeah. stuff and everything. Oh, it's yeah. just like, it's, just, it's all you use to track you. you know. And I get your point about the phone, but... You know, whatever. But you, uh, you pick and choose your surveillance methods. Yes, yeah, you're right. I like to be yeah. picky and choosy about who's keeping tabs on me and how. Uh, but but yeah, I, I I'm I'm one of those guys. Like, everybody said you should. Be, they've been telling me to do this for years. Yeah, you do should a, do a podcast. And I'm like podcast. I'm like I'm on the radio. What do I need a podcast for? And then you talk to like a 15 year old, and you're like, what's the radio? Well, that's like <laughs> the the old Howard Stern thing. You know, he used to dismiss. Um, Joe Rogan's thing as his little podcast in his basement or whatever, and yeah. then and then Rogan get a got a contract from uh, Spotify for a hundred million dollars yeah. a year, and even the great Neil Young can't take you down. No, no, you that's know? it. Wait, well, and you're you're your own boss, so it's it's nice. You know what I mean? At the at at this point in your uh, career, you're you're already an excellent broadcaster, so now you have the ability to broadcast and also um, control. Control what you what you want. Say what you want. Do what you want. Please, please continue with yeah. the compliments. I appreciate that. But the the reason why I asked you to do this was because you know we, we the the point of this podcast is to not just you know make an ad for somebody or make, you know we, sure. we all know about your shows and you can go on your website and find all that stuff. Yeah, I mean I, I'm a comic. I don't have the money to pay for an ad, so that <laughs> right. would be ter- but, <laughs> terrible. But uh, choice. The the logistics of of how this whole thing works. Now you and I, but I mean I. Did you start at the time you met me, or did you? This was going back to like 2007, I believe. Right? Uh, 2008, I think. Okay, it was around 2008. I think I met you. Our first time I ever met you was at an open mic at the Poor House in Worthington Street, right, in Springfield. And uh, I remember I wasn't funny. Um, the late the girl who was running it, who we know her name, we won't yeah, say it, but yeah. she. I said, "Do you have?" I used to. That's how I got better at comedy. Was I would ask everyone. You know, is there anything I could do better? Is there anything I should try? Is there? Do you have any advice for me? And I asked her, "Do you have any advice for me?" And she goes, "Yeah, my advice is uh, have some punchlines and learn how to be funny." 
So I coming from a woman who was doing like 15 minutes about tampons. Yeah, yeah. but she wasn't so, wrong. I need I needed punchlines and I needed to to get funny. But it 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 definitely was a motivator. I'm I'm motivated by spite a lot, you know. So. Well, but I remember immediately liking you, and I'm like, this guy, like he's got he's got this. He, you have the stage presence. You you immediately had the stage presence and. It's one of the probably the situations where like you're a funny guy, you should be doing this kind of stand up stuff. I, it was my when I was a little kid, um, I used to my dad on Fridays would let me stay up late and watch Carson. That was yeah. like my, a treat for me, and I'd see like Stephen Wright and those people on Carson Seinfeld early and all that stuff, yeah. and uh, I was always like that would be so fun, you know. But that was before the era of Facebook and social media, so. I had no idea how to start being a comedian. There was just like, if I didn't live in New York City, I wasn't going to be a comedian. Right. I didn't, you know. And uh, when I went to college, I put myself in charge of booking the comedians because um, it was a way to be around comedians, you know. And um, I booked Jeffrey Ross before he was Jeffrey Ross. He was Jeffrey Lipschwitz. Oh, okay. um, yep. And I booked these other great comedians, and um, I would sometimes they would be like, hey, can you just, there's no opener. Can you just go on stage and tell everybody when you bring me up, can you also just like talk to them a little bit and warm them up? So I would do basically crowd work, but I didn't know I was doing crowd work. You know, right. I, I didn't, I just thought I was introing the comedian. So it never clicked in my head that I was, I was cl that close to comedy. And then um, one of my buddies, my buddy, Kevin Walk, he was getting uh, married and they had a bachelor party at like the American Legion in Chicopee and they hired a comedian, uh, Tony Moschetto from uh, Boston. They hired him and they were like, um, you should go up and, and tell jokes for five minutes. And I was like, okay. So, so I, this is your first time on stage. But it's not really because, yeah. again, I was just I was at my buddy's bachelor party right. and it was like all my friends and everything. And I went and I remember like the first laugh I got. I remember like I was like, oh, man, that's cool, you know. Mm. And the adrenaline just came flying through me. And I forgot Tony's name, so I I was like, well, please welcome this comedian. He's real cool, you know. I, yeah. I did what we all hate, and uh, and then I never touched it again. It was years and years later that uh, Dario, someone at the gym, said I was funny, and I, I I you know, oh, you could be funnier than him. And this and Dario was like, you want to see? I'll I'll take you on a show with me on Tuesday night. It was three G's in Worcester. Was this the uh, the time you were working for the Yellow Book Company that you shystered me out of money? This for, was for doing? this was yeah. this was uh, yeah. It was around that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember, you're like I started this DJ business. You're like, hey, you should be in Yellow Book. It's really cool. They it was the Yellow Pages were yeah. uh, were a great way to get business. Yeah. I still stand by it. Not now because uh, Google's taken over and well, everything. But. Yeah, but you don't even have an Alexa to tell you that there's no, no there's true. no Alex there's no true. Yellow Pages anymore, true, Marty. True. So you're, you're like. Alexa, check the yellow pages for, for, the, for the carpet business I need. To be honest, there still is yellow pages in certain areas of the country. Berkshire County is one of them because they don't have a lot of internet access right, out there. Right. and The people are old, so that's what they do. But, um, but yeah, I, it was around that time. And so I started um, doing comedy uh, there, and I got off stage. And, you know, it was such a rush. I did really well, you know, and yeah. Orlando came up to me, Orlando Baxter, and he said, is this really your first time? And I was like, yeah, it's my first time anyone telling me I'm a comedian and let me right. do comedy. And he was like, come back next week. And I was like, why? Because in my head, I thought I was just checking it off a bucket list, you know? Right. And he's like, if you stick with this and you listen to what I tell you, you could do this as a career. And I was like, wait, I can make money doing this? Like people will pay mm -hmm. me? And he said, yeah. So I never, not from that moment on, I never got off stage. I was on stage five nights a week and for 
you know, 11 years straight until the pandemic, the longest I was ever off stage was seven days one time. Yeah. And, and that's the that's the thing about this business. It's once you get hooked in it, yeah. you can't stop doing it. I, I did. I had a friend of mine. Uh, there was a place called the Clubhouse Lounge in Holyoke. Yep. Do you ever remember where that place is? No, but was, you I know where Schremerhorns is. Yep, it was in the plaza right behind okay. Schremerhorns. Okay, and it was called the Clubhouse Lounge. It was a very small place. Yeah, probably only no bigger than this radio station. And uh, they had open mic nights. And a buddy of mine, who him and I uh, were always you know telling jokes back and forth to each other, he goes, "This is our chance. We can go up there and do it." So and great. I remember going up there. And I got one laugh from one of the jokes. I didn't have any original jokes. Yep. It was all stuff that I had read in joke books or, or sure. re- re- reciting from memory. And they were they were awful jokes, too. But that one round of laughter I got was enough to go, you know what? I want to try this again. Keep and I want to come it. back and write something and, and try to do it myself. I, I You can't describe it for people other than to say... It's one of the best feelings on the planet when yeah. you get your first laugh and you've always wanted to be a comedian. Um, the open mics, like I don't get to do enough open mics now because, yeah. uh, you know, I'm obviously working all the time. But uh, not to plug it, but View Street Tavern in Chicopee, we have the comedy club. When that, when we reopen, probably late July, early August, um, it's Loft Comedy Club. I'm going to do an open mic there, uh-huh. maybe like a Sunday night or whatever. I'm going to do an open mic because... I, I I love seeing that. I love yeah. seeing someone new start getting that laugh and being like, "Oh my god!" And, and just then, getting addicted. Like, yeah, almost immediately. it's fun yeah. to watch. You know, you get jaded after years of doing this and being on the road and staying in crappy hotels and all the the, the crap you do to to climb the yeah. ladder. And and then when I do one of those or I see someone go up for the first time, it brings back that feeling to me, like, oh, yeah. or I see five yeah. five kids and they're all. They're all driving to an open mic together, and I, I'm like, I miss those days where we would all drive to a show together yeah. and we laugh in the car and bust each other's balls and do all that stuff. And then now as you're you, driving by yourself. Yeah, going, oh as my you progress, God, I'm going to a, a graduation party. You're the driving in the airport hours. at three in the morning in Logan, and yeah. you're just by yourself, and you're like, what? Yeah. Why did this, when did this go from being this is the fun thing I look forward to all week to like I got to go to work? And that's kind of what I wanted, to, what I wanted to pick your brain about because you know everybody see you. Know, People only see the finished product, the final product, yep. and they don't see the blood, sweat, and tears that go into that kind of thing. And you know, you don't have to you know talk about your personal life, but no. it must be hard managing you know relationships with family versus and and then having to just go somewhere. I have to go to Ohio this weekend. You know, one of the things that hits you real fast uh, when you start doing this is you have all your friends that you've had your whole life, you know, and. I tell every comedian this, it'll happen to them. One day your friend will be having a barbecue and you won't have a gig and you'll be home and you'll see people posting pictures of it on Facebook and you'll get mad and you'll be like, I can't even believe they didn't even ask me. And then you got to catch yourself and realize there's been 30 other barbecues that you weren't even around that you didn't go to that they asked and you said, I I can't, I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't. I missed Dario and one of my best friends in the world. I had to miss his wedding because I had a gig, you know, and it was, it was, it was heartbreaking, but it's like this is what you got to do to to put food on the table. Like you need to do that stuff. So you, I'm sorry, Marty. Yeah, Dario will get married again. 
<laughs> no, you won't. No, his, his <laughs> wife is awesome. <laughs> no, Mina's great. I, they're, and they're an awesome couple. Like, yeah. uh, they're, I call them uh, lottery ticket customers. Uh, well, anybody couples. who can put up with Dario is a good person. Yes, he's, yeah, I love him, but yeah. I'm just kidding. He's got I, his, I, he's I, got his picadillos. I, he's I, he's I, a great I, guy. I love he's Dario. He's like a brother to me. I love Dario in my own dysfunctional way. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, it's like the way I love Brian Plum. I always say he's the right. little brother I never wanted. Um, <laughs> but, but I, um, yeah, you, you, that, that stuff takes a toll. And then the travel itself takes it. You know, the gig is the best part, you know. And if you're doing, you know, if you're doing like I'll, I'll go to Edmonton, Canada. Right. I, I, that is a great example. And I'm headlining the Wednesday and Sunday sometimes when I do that. Right. But then I'm doing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, like when I'm with Jesse May. And and that is a total. There's probably like five or six shows with her. And then there's one each. So I'm probably doing seven or eight shows. Yeah which is supposed to be the fun part. But what people don't see is I have to get up at two 30 in the morning, get in my car at, you know, three in the morning, drive out to Logan. So I can make a, a, a 6 PM flight or a 6 AM flight. And I remember I was crossing that parking garage tramway thing, you know, into the airport. And I was so upset and mad and pissed. And I, I, in my head, I was like, why am I this mad and angry? Like I stopped myself. I was like, you need to start this trip better than that. And I just, Stood there like an idiot in the middle of that tramway with my bag and I thought back to how one of my biggest goals was someday someone's going to pay me to get on a plane to go tell jokes that was yeah. like a big bucket list item for me yeah and I was like and here you are now getting paid to fly to a different country to tell jokes and you're sitting here with a puss on your face because you had to get up at 2 30 in the morning and, and drive out here and it changed my whole thing and I was like yeah but but then after that the stuff that people don't see I left my house at 2 30 in the morning there's the drive to Logan. There's getting on the plane. There's flying to Seattle or to Toronto when I do that. Yeah. There's going through customs. There's having to sit at the airport in Edmonton and wait for the club to come pick you up. Then they take you to your your condo. That you drop your your bags and then you're in the club and you realize I've had a 16 hour travel day and now I got to get on stage and I have yeah. to be funny and I have the pressure to to be funny because I'm closing the show you know on a Wednesday night with 30 people there, but that's when it becomes a job. You yeah. know what I mean? That's when it becomes like a, a thing. But I, I mean, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I've worked manual labor jobs, you know, I've done. So, so I'm never going to complain about that part, but it does, it does. It has things that. that well, take and on. then on top of that, you got guys like me, a producer of a morning show who's calling you at seven o'clock in the morning going, Hey man, can you come do five minutes on the, on the air with us yeah. to promote your show? And it, it, and you like, even in my position, I'm thinking, you don't, you don't think about it immediately going, oh, man, this guy's probably been up since 2.30 in the morning no. or, or has been up all the night, night, night before to do an, a radio interview. This I early. love it. I love yeah. coming in here to do radio with you guys, right? Because I'm home. So, like, obviously, or, or yeah. else I can't do the show, right? So I have no problem. Where it gets hard, and, and Jess is the one who, Jesse Mae Peluso from, she was on Girl Code, mm -hmm. and she has Netflix shows and everything. She, she's like my sister. Like, we love each other dearly. Um, we're our families, our friends, like the best. And, and Jess, she dragged me to all her media appearances. What happens is you come in as a headliner, you'll come into the market on a Thursday, right? You'll get there, you'll do the show. You, now you're exhausted. You traveled all day. Like the, my point that I was saying about Edmonton, yeah. like when you do Arizona, you know, flying to Arizona is kind of a pain in the ass too. A lot of times you got to get a connector or whatever. Right. So you spend all this time traveling, getting to Arizona, you, you go in, you do the show, you have a couple of drinks just to take the edge off because you've had a brutal day traveling. And 
now you got to go to bed. Now you got to get up sometimes at 4.30 in the morning because you have to do the media appearances. So right. that that's like one or two radio stations, sometimes a podcast like this, like with the, with the personality, the morning personality. Then you have to go on air sometimes, like on the TV morning show at like 8 or 9. Sometimes you don't get done your media until Friday at like 12 or 1, and then you got maybe an hour ride back to your hotel or your condo. Yeah. So now it's 2, but you have a show at 7. So you're like, I can get three hours of sleep. It, 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 and the only thing is by Saturday, you're well-adjusted and you'll have fun. And if you have a show on Sunday, that's that's fun. But, but it's a blur. It goes by like this. Well, you know, and, and, the, and one of the things uh, I know from my own personal experience, I mean, it, starting – and I was like doing headline – not headlining. I was hosting uh, yep. at the at the Funny Bone. And they, yep. they were using me almost every other week, yeah. which was great. Yeah. And you'd yeah, only Fred get 100 – Fred is awesome uh, down there. And Jackie, but, too. She was great. Right. But this was – I think this was before they took over oh, wow, the whole okay. thing. And it, it, this was going back to like when they fir- very first opened. Okay. And we were kind of, you know, hey, bring the radio guy. Yeah. He'll come in and do the hosting and all yep. that stuff. So I've had a lot of opportunities in comedy just Smart. because of doing this job. Sure. But you're also funny, so that, you know – Sometimes it depends on who it is. But I also uh, i've I've had a problem with with alcohol for years, mm-hmm. and one of the but one of the the bad things about mm-hmm. the low pay of you know you're getting twenty five dollars a show <laughs> if you're at the end of the, the week you get yeah. one hundred twenty five <laughs> yeah. bucks so like yeah. that that's it. But you've spent your entire weekend. You haven't been home all weekend, and this the the perk was. You can have as many of these, and again, this was under an old management system. I'm right. not talking about this is the way this goes now. I'm no, just saying no. at that time it was like now it's fifty. Now it's fifty if you host. <laughs> oh, and you don't get any free drinks either. That's probably the probably the no. I think too. you get free drinks, but yeah. that's like I know what you're going to say. You're going to say yeah. so you're not getting compensated. So they're giving you free alcohol, right. free food. And so I you're going to drink your face off and you treat it like a wedding, an open bar wedding. And uh, I would get blasted. I would mm-hmm. get blasted to the point where you know, yep. uh, you know. You, you learn that lesson early yeah. in comedy because you you but but because uh, you'll you have one or two weekends where you get you know yeah but I'm still learning that lesson because there's still times like right. if I'm at Mohegan Sun you know I'm headlining there in August right first fourth fifth and sixth I, they're so great you know they give you your drinks and your food and there are times where you know if the bartender likes you maybe he's pouring a little heavy or whatever mm-hmm. and next thing you know. You're you're a drunken idiot, you well, know, and and I don't want to be that guy, you know. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, there's been a few times where I've gone on stage and and I'd, and I'd be forgetting things because I had too many drinks. See, I can do. I, I can be. I can be completely drunk and go on stage like a trained monkey and just deliver. But then not remember anything that you did later. Burt Kreischer, uh, you know, I don't know if you know Burt. He's on Netflix and everything. My weekend with Burt Kreischer. He's a notorious drinker. They knew I was a notorious drinker. This is at Fox's. They put the two of us together for a weekend, and I promise you. We drank from sunup to sundown. We we had to do promo appearances at um we had to do promo appearances at um like eleven in the morning. So we had to be there for ten at some sandwich shop or something. And they had a package store across the street. And he's like, I'll buy the beer, you buy the vodka. I'm like, all right. And we're promo sitting there. Show. Yeah, we were sitting there <laughs> yeah. getting drunk. I I don't remember any of my shows that weekend. All yeah. shows were great. Everyone told me, all my friends that came out and stuff, they're like, You guys are awesome. But I don't think Burt probably remembers them. We were so drunk and the that, whole and time, that, and that's that's a danger. That's kind of that's a jo- it's terrible. When you talk about job hazards, you know, sure. there's, there's a hazard in every job. Alcohol is so, a big one. A lot of guys yeah. fall into the drug trap. I, I never, you know, they get into yeah. coke and stuff. Back in the day, in the '80s and '90s, like in Boston, they used to pay people in cocaine. They'd be like, yeah. "You want half in cash, half in coke." I've never done cocaine in my life. I, obviously, that's why I'm fat. But I've never I've never done cocaine in my life. 
but you you see it you know yeah. people have it and everything and you think about it you know a lot of these guys and you still know some of them some are I'm friendly with they started in the 80s or 90s and you'll you'll be on a show with them and they'll, and they'll they'll retired from travel so what they do is they they find themselves a little cocaine up themselves up and then they go out and they they do but i i never fell into that trap but the alcohol is a big one and the other thing is food yeah. you're you're eating in airports you're eating on uh rest stops and most you know? of these dinners at these comedy clubs are well, are pub food fried style chicken yeah, fingers. Fried, yeah, yeah all that stuff yep. too yep um you know you're funny you say that i i met greg giraldo down at the funny bone one of i, I have to tell you this yeah. i'm so jealous <laughs> of what you're going to say next because one of my all-time favorite comedians everyone talks about yeah. patrice and i love patrice and everything but i feel like patrice's death kind of overshadowed greg's but i think greg draw was brilliant he he was an absolutely brilliant, brilliant and a comedian. kind guy everyone i yeah. was supposed to work with him uh I, I still remember the dates it was like october 23rd or whatever and i think he died like yeah the first weekend of October or something like that. I, it was right around the same time because it was yeah. a few weeks before he was performing at the at the Funny Bone. Yep. And he was he was such a nice guy, yep. high energy. He was he was obviously busy because he had sure. you know he's talking on the phone, but he took the time to to, to talk cry to you. Te- but he critiqued my ass. Yeah, which and a it, lot of people yeah. will get upset when they're new or whatever. No, or, no, no. I was that's like, an honor that that yeah. a headliner will watch your set yeah. and just give you a note or two is because one or two tips of advice yeah. can save somebody five years of development. That's why yeah. I always asked everybody, do, do you have any advice for me? Do you have any advice for me? Because now kids listen to podcasts and they feel like they're getting the advice from it, but don't. Right. You know, get the advice from a headliner that's done this for a long time that is good that you respect, and and ask them. And if they give you a note or two, take it to heart. Try yeah. it. You don't have to live by it religiously, but try it. It might it might save you two or three years of development of hard learning lessons. Absolutely. You know? I, and 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 I said to Anna, he gave me this. He was te- he he listened to my set, yeah, which yeah, was, yeah. which was like that was an honor in and yep. itself that he actually paid attention because, I mean, think about it. how many times do you go to a show and it's not by your own fault. It's by because you're doing all this extra stuff. Sometimes you don't have time to watch the opening head. The a, a lot of times I don't. because yeah. I'm I'm still. I still have to prep myself. I still have to figure out what I'm going to do. Right. You know, they're doing 15 minutes. I got to do an hour or 45. So you know? he, you know, he's telling me, ah, you know what, this punchline that that punchline you did there, he's like, that, that might need to be tightened up a little bit. Yep. And, he, and it was really, like, I was right, right? I, and I was just like, Greg Geraldo just gave me advice. I'm, you know, right, right. Like the the chicken in the in the foghorn leghorn thing. Right. I'm just got a comedy show. I'm going to go get me a comedy. You know, that's funny. Uh, but I, so I would do that. And then, uh, and then I said, well, you know what? You got to come back on the show. You're coming back here in like two months. I yeah. said, come into the studio. And he's like, absolutely had his number. And then he died. Yeah. And, and, and he was, was going to Fox's. That's where I was supposed to And it was yeah. a, it was a substance, uh, abuse thing. It was some kind of thing with Oxycontins and stuff. And he, I was like, damn it, man. Like brilliant guy. Yeah. Brilliant mind. It sucks. Um, an unbelievable one of the best clips of him is uh, him on Tough Crowd with Colin Quinn, yeah. which is a show that I also watch religiously because I just wanted to be a comedian so right. bad. I love watching four comics quote unquote hang out and bust each other's balls and talk about the news. And he was on there, and Dennis Leary went after him, and he he was an unknown, yeah. and Dennis was a, at the height of his fame, and he buried Dennis with like two 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 quick two, comebacks. Right, and and in the documentary about Geraldo, and you can see the clip on YouTube. Um, Leary, because he's he's a comic, he's great. You know, he understands what's going. Leary actually was like, "Let me tell you, this guy buried me because I realized real quick how special this guy was." You know, like he he was fantastic. I could talk about him endlessly, but sorry. 
Was uh, was <clears throat> was Larry uh, quoting uh, Bill Hicks when he uh, when he wrote that? <laughs> Everyone says that he stole I, Hicks stuff. I I don't I don't know. I, Dennis is a funny enough guy in his own. You know the, the the problem with you know the comics being accused of stealing others' material. Everybody has a take on almost the same subjects too. Yeah. And where but, does it become the line of plagiarism versus? Well, I can tell you this. There's yeah. there's difference. There's people who observe you. Like uh, some of my friends that are comedians that around here, the kids that, that I kind of took under my wing when they started and whatever, people will call me and be like, yo, he's, so, he's, he's doing your joke. He sounds like mm-hmm. they're imitations is like a form of flattery. They won't like steal a joke, but they might start saying things I say on stage, yeah. like little asides and little offs. They, their cadence might sound like mine, you know, like the way they talk, the way they tell a joke. We all have to find our own voice in this as a comedian. Yeah. It takes you years to find your voice. And while you're doing that, you, 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 you have to, I know that I went through it, you know, I probably still do. You know, it's, you watch too much of one comedian and it can rub off on you almost right. like osmosis, you know. But there, there are cases that comics know when somebody takes a joke and they do a joke that you have, you can use it. Like, you'll get a bunch of texts from people. Be like, I, I had somebody lift one of my jokes and they did it on Conan. Yeah. And my phone blew up with like eight com- comics texting me like within tw- 25 minutes. Who was And they were all like, I'm, I'm not going to say who okay. it was. I don't even know if he does comedy anymore. But the joke I had was like a funny joke about, it wasn't that funny, but... It was uh, how Biggie Smalls died uh, the right way that we needed to see him die. He's a gangster rapper. He was shot up. And I was like, no one wants to sit around and watch him die of hypertension or diabetes. Like it was like, you know, something along those lines. Yeah. And and it was verbatim on Conan. And the kid had just seen me because he came to visit his buddy when I was looking for his buddy. And I was like. Oof. Now, maybe he didn't lift it. Maybe he heard it and he absorbed it by osmosis or whatever. Sometimes you have people with similar premise or whatever. But at that time, it wasn't like Biggie Smalls just got shot. You right. know what I mean? So it was like you're taking something that has a date on it. It's not like we both had the same spin on a COVID joke. You know what yeah. I mean? It was too far gone it in the wording and everything. For, right. For what he right. used the for. The timing, the verbatim, yeah. So, but 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 then you look at people who do things like that, and they're not strong enough to come up with more material themselves. And if they have to resort to that, then they're not going to be that much more successful than what they've already done. Then right. Well, right. and and you know there are cases too. You know, someone like me who's relatively unknown comparative to you know a lot of people. There are cases sometimes where it doesn't happen so much around here, but like in LA, yeah. there'll be like these unknown kids that go to a mic and every open micer has one joke that you're like, that's an amazing joke. Yeah. And you're like, they're never going to, they're never going to do anything. Like you tell right. they're bad, they're bad on stage, whatever. You know, I shouldn't say never, but you're, you're like, that guy's got 10 years of work and he's probably going to quit. And if he doesn't, you know, good for him, but they'll, You'll every open micer I feel like has one joke that is so good, but they don't even know what they have. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and and in LA, the writers for TV and and radio, they'll sit in the back of the room with a notepad and they'll watch the kids in the open mic and they'll take the jokes that are good. One of my buddies, Yoshi Obayashi, he had one of his jokes. It was funny. He's Japanese American. His he goes, my grandfather was a kamikaze pilot. He was terrible at it. He retired. <laughs> <laughs> you know, didn't want to finish the job, right? right. Like yeah. you, you obviously you don't, right. You don't right. retire if you're Kamikaze, but and it ended up in like an episode of like Curb Your Enthusiasm or whatever. Wow. And and everyone called him right away. He ended up getting a, a personal call from Larry David saying like, "Hey, I saw this. Someone showed me it. They brought it up to." He's like, 
it, that is my you know my my apologies like i wouldn't do that whatever you know it's funny that you say that because there have been things that i've come up with and even hearing other comics yeah. come up with and then all of a sudden they're jokes on the family guy or they're sure. jokes on yep and, and you think about all the places you've been. I've done open mics in New York sure. City. I've done open mics uh, any, you know, any number of places that would have maybe writers who work for that show well, picking up material. You think about it. You go, listen, if I do uh, an average of five shows a week with an average of 150 people at each mm-hmm. show, that's 750 people a week times 50 weeks yeah. or 52 weeks. Oh, that's 3,500. That's 4,000. It starts to it starts to build. And then, yeah. and like... Like I opened for Vic DiBetetto, who's uh, one of my gotta get the bread and milk. Yeah, yeah. patron saint of comedians like like me who've grounded out. That guy, he made a career. He was he did this. He's been doing it for like thirty five years, but he didn't he didn't get famous till he was like twenty five years in with that video. But you know he's so fortunate. The career has gone, so he's doing theaters and stuff. And then he's nice enough to take me along to these theaters so I can be in front of his fans. And some nights you're doing fifteen hundred, two thousand people. I just did the Westbury Music Fair. That's a three thousand person yeah. venue, you know. So you're exposed to that. So if I look at how many people see my jokes, let's say, let's say it's ten thousand or fifteen thousand people a year. I'm in front of maybe larger plus your radio and your this and your that. Before you know it, yeah, those jokes can find their way to a writer real easy. But the one thing that you have time to hang out here. Yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm uh, cool. this is fun. So the one thing that that gets me about this 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 fine line of this plagiarism versus you know yeah. uh, a joke like a regular joke you know the yep. oh, the guy walks into a bar you know says the horse why the long face you know something like that you've seen comics who've who've gone up who just want to be on stage sure. and then they do these jokes and they do these you know these old one liner things well Dario to his credit was one of those guys he was doing old street italian jokes and 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 right. stuff that and but, I, I give him a lot of credit because he he used to be able to go up and kill for a half hour with but all it, that But stuff. it still takes a lot of balls to get up in front of a bunch no, of people to do this thing. So I, I wouldn't dismiss him for doing that either. No, no, I don't. I don't dismiss. I mean, listen, like yeah. I can tell you, he's my he's like my brother. Right. But but I will. I'll give you an example. He was doing that stuff, and then as I progressed along in comedy, he and I had a little bit of a falling out. And then when we started talking again, I said, "Listen to me." I said, if we're going to be friends, like you can't be doing that shit on stage. I can't have you on a show with me doing that stuff. I was like, you need to write your own jokes. Now, Dar is a funny guy. You talk to him off stage, he's super duper yeah. funny. He has trouble writing, as do I, as does everyone. But I give him credit because he went from being able to kill for a half hour to resetting and starting everything all over again to struggling to do five minutes at times, yeah. you know? But he's doing it with his own shit. You know, I don't know uh, if I can say shit on a podcast. You no, can. It uh, you can. It's uh, it's only on the internet. Okay. Uh, we're, we're, it's not like we're swearing like sailors here. No, anyway. no. Uh, you know, speaking of Dario, and we might have to cut this out, but his, I think his brother owned a hamburger stand. Is 911 Burgers 911 and Dogs. Yeah, they sold it, so you probably don't have to. And, and I mentioned this to you. It, he, they sold it, and he was you know, going out of business. And I said, I used to love the burgers in there, but I could not stand this guy's like, again, I don't care what your political views are. Yeah. I just don't want to hear them. And I'm sitting there eating this delicious <laughs> burger. It's they got mayonnaise great. and cheese and yeah. tomato. It's like a fat guy's dream, and I'm in enjoying it 
until he starts talking. You know, it's like this right wing. Like, you know what's wrong with this country? Yeah. You're like, oh shit. <laughs> you know what's wrong is these people on welfare. Blah, 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 blah. You're like, what's wrong is there's yeah. not another. There's not more mayo. You yeah. know, like, and, and I'm waiting for uh, you know somebody to climb the steps of the Capitol <laughs> and just fall off. And I said, if Dario wants material, just go sit in your brother's Funny. restaurant for about a half. Hour. His brother's a sweetheart of a guy. I love his. I love his brother. And and he's in politics now. Yeah. To his credit, he went from being that guy yeah. to actually getting involved, which I respect. You know, but that's um, funny. We, we we don't have too much more time. Yeah, sure. But 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 the tell me what's the worst situation you've been in in any type of show that you've done? Oh, what, what what probably the one that stands out? Well, to there, you the there's most? Hallmark shows that are bad, right? Like um, you know, if you're getting an outdoor show during the day. You're gonna str- It's gonna be tough. You know, if you're opening for like a big musician, like a big uh, music act, yeah. You know, it's gonna be tough. You know, if you got a guy with puppets or magic in front of you, you know, it's gonna be a rough night. Yeah. Um, for me, the the gigs that are always the toughest, and I was talking about this on the show this morning, but is when you get booked to do like a fundraiser and the guy dies like right before the fundraiser, yeah. or you get. <laughs> I, the time I was telling you about on the show, I got booked for my buddy. His father was a, a comedian, and it was a, it was a it was a memorial for his father in a restaurant slash bar during the day in Long Island. And I'm standing in front of a painting of his dad, trying to be funny. And I was like, "This is the worst." But I knew if his father is watching from upstairs, he's like, <laughs> you know, because he was a comic. You know, he gets it. Uh, have you had anybody ever attack you on stage? Other yeah. Than the, oh yeah, that's another thing. Th- the roll throwing we've heard about after I've heard. yeah dinner rolls, one or two beer bottles after after the Chris Rock thing. Everyone's like, "Are you worried?" Are you, I said, "I'm not worried because that's been our reality for a long time. It's just now in the ad. It's like police brutality. Mm-hmm. No one really got." super worked up over it until the advent of smartphones where people captured that stuff. Well, now that was captured on a national platform. So yeah, will there be more people that probably try to or do? Yeah, in the immediate aftermath there was because they figured they could get attention. But I've been, I had an Australian guy tackle me one time when I was I was uh, in the Berkshires telling jokes and I was in a little pub in the basement of a hotel, a bed and breakfast, and I was telling jo- Rumpy's Tavern and this Australian guy came running up to me to belly bump me. Yeah, and I the way my feet were, I was perpendicular to him. So when he belly bumped me, my drink went flying. I went through the stool, and then there was a door on the side, and Jesus. I smashed through the door, like the door, like broke the door. Oh my god! I fell. I was covered in soda, Jack and Coke, <laughs> covered in Jack and Coke. Um, just just which isn't the worst thing to be covered sore, in. Sore, sore. I was sore. I was. Yeah. I hit my head. And I was like, nope, I'm not. Get-. They were like, we can call the show. And I was like, nope. And I did like 58 minutes after that. I still love bringing up the time I took you all the way up to the Berkshires to Uncle Larry's. Oh, tavern. that was a good one. Yeah. I almost got murdered that show. Remember? Yeah. And there was the guy, there was a guy there who was about six foot five. He he lifted someone's car yeah, out of a snowbank yeah, yeah. to help them get out after the show. And he had a shirt on. Do you remember what the shirt said? I don't remember the shirt. It said, uh, I won't. I won't do the exact wording, right, it, right. but it said arrest minority babies before they become hardened criminals. So, I, like, we knew we were in a different part oh, yeah, of the yeah, woods yeah. up yeah. there. And like he was a, sitting there with his girlfriend. Yeah. He was drinking shot after shot yeah. at Jack Daniels, yeah. and I, he was interrupting every yeah. comedian. And I remember saying, "Steve, just put me up." And you're like, "All right," yeah. and you put me up, <laughs> and he started, and I started on this guy, and I started on him so hard. And everyone was laughing at him, and he's yeah. like the town bully, so like everyone laughing at him really made him upset. And he goes, "Yeah, you think it's funny?" 
there's only one way out of this place. We'll see how funny it is then. Yeah. And I stopped and I took a beat. You know, like jo jokes uh, are like uh, jazz. You know, I took like a beat or two and I looked around like really uh, over-exaggerated. I looked around and I go, well, clearly this guy can't read. Nobody tell him what these little red signs over all these doors say because right. all the exit signs. Right. And everyone laughed again. And then he he laughed. And then after the show, he's like, oh, boy. Well, that was shot. cool. You know, everybody's buying around yeah. the show. But also at that show, I had a, I had a, a friend who was a, a state trooper oh, in yeah. that area. And he, he's a Latino guy, and yeah. he, he comes into the show, and he's like, first of all, I don't think I belong here. And I'm like, why? Because you're Latino? And he goes, no, because I already put half of these guys in jail for DUIs so leaving this bar. Can we say the name of the place? It sure. was Uncle Larry's Tavern. Uncle Larry, well, it wasn't a tavern. It was like a road. Oh, no, that was Uncle Larry's Tavern. That's right. I was thinking of the Montague Roadhouse. Oh, no, that's a whole other podcast we can get oh, into. Oh, gotcha. uh, But Uncle Larry's Tavern is no longer uh, Uncle Larry's Tavern. It's called like... Uncle Bob's something. Like, it's, <laughs> it's another uncle. Yeah, it's like Bob's Burgers. Or oh, well, in that case, like... we should go back and do that show again. Let's oh, absolutely. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get up there. Marty, thanks so much for the time this morning. I really appreciate it, and uh, and uh, good luck with the upcoming shows you got. Hey, thanks for having me, Steve. Tell tell your people if they want to come see me. I'm headlining uh, July 8th and 9th at City Steam in uh, Hartford, the Brouhaha Comedy Club, Comedy Craft Beer for tickets. I'll be at uh, Mohegan Sun Headline August 4th, 5th, and 6th. Is this okay to do these plugs or no? You can do whatever the hell you and, want. Uh, what if the, somebody's listening to this podcast well after these shows yeah. are over? I'll be headlining my first week in there, which I think is great. Uh, I'm excited about it. It only took me 11 years to make that happen. And um, I we will be reopening, like I said, Loft Comedy Club above View Street Tavern in Chicopee, so keep an eye out for that when we reopen. And also, uh, I'll do it once again, our, our good friend Artie Robb, who's a comedian who started with us, yeah. who we did many, many shows with. He's had some uh, some some real rough luck medically, and he's in, a, he's in a little bit of a tough spot, and there's a GoFundMe for Artie Robb, and there's also a show coming up the Knights of Columbus for Artie Robb. Um, not to be insensitive, but... Yeah. Uh, I remember buying many drinks for Artie Rob over there. He had a GoFundMe account long before he needed <laughs> He had a one. GoFundMe tequila account. He's like, uh, yo, man, uh, can you spare me a couple bucks here? Cuervo, <laughs> Cuervo gold on the rocks. <laughs> but uh, best best to Artie Rob. And Marty, again, thanks so much for being here today. And uh, it's Nagel Mind Your Business, exclusive podcast on rock102.com.